Thank you for tuning in to the Mile 40 podcast. I am Beshoy Tadros, the author of Break Barriers and Audacious, both of which are sold on Amazon. And I invite you to join me as I engage with guests to discuss those bounce back moments that we encounter on our personal journey. Mile 40 is a forum to learn about how athletes, professionals, and leaders of all backgrounds stared on moments in life where the only option is to rise up. The Mile 40 podcast strives to remind listeners that the comeback is always greater than the setback. Today's episode of Mile 40 is brought to you by HelloFresh. In the midst of fatherhood, marathon training, writing, and building the Mile 40 community, I tend to be forgetful of feeding myself. And that's why I lean on America's number one meal kit. A crazy schedule can make it easy to fall back into your dinnertime recipe rut. Keep mealtime exciting with over 40 recipes to choose from weekly. So there's always something delicious to discover with HelloFresh. With so many in-season ingredients, you'll taste all the freshness of fall in every bite of HelloFresh's chef-crafted recipes. Produce travels from the farm to your door for peak ripeness that you can taste. Now, go to HelloFresh.com slash 50mile40pod and use code 50mile40pod for 50% off plus free shipping. Once again, go to HelloFresh.com slash 50 mile 40 pod and use code 50 mile 40 pod for 50% off plus free shipping. We'll add the link to the show notes of today's episode for you to check out HelloFresh today. Welcome back to another episode of the Mile 40 Podcast. Thank you all for joining me today. Thank you for tuning in. I know it's getting cold out there. Hopefully, Mile 40 is keeping you nice, warm, and entertained. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to hit follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Today's guest is Jenna Goldring. Jenna is the founder of The High Confectionery. It's the all-natural, microdosed hemp gummy that believes in building your own buzz. Founded in 2021 by Jenna, who was frustrated with the current products on the market that were were too high strength, too high dose, and had low quality synthetic ingredients. Before launching, uh, Jenna gained experience working for multiple successful tech startups. She's been uh, the VP of media sales at a company specializing in advertising for highly regulated brands. She saw a gap in the cannabis market and decided to take matters into her own hands. Jenna, you got a long bio, so I'm going to cut it (laughs) off right there and we're going to dive right in. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. You got it. You got it. I really appreciate you and your team reaching out. Um, you know, I, I know that uh, what you're doing out there means so much to so many people, and and for us specifically here at Mile Forty, um, there's a big health and wellness community, and you know the the context of edibles comes up comes up more than most listeners might think, actually. Yeah. Um, and there's been a lot of adjustments that people have had to make over the last several years, especially as things have gotten more and more legalized, um, and so. We're definitely going to dive into uh, the birth of the company and how you've grown it. We're also going to talk about the ups and downs, you know, that you went through building it and and figuring yeah. it out. Um, and so let let's just start with a little bit of uh, background on yourself. Uh, where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? And where was the idea birthed? Yeah. Okay. I grew up in LA, which um, I think makes sense since I went and started a cannabis and hemp company. Uh, it was interesting. I always felt that it was legal kind of growing up because it was so mainstream in the culture there. Um, obviously, that didn't happen until uh, much later in my life. Went to school in the South at Duke. 
uh, in North Carolina. And then I've been living in New York City for the past 12 years, which is insane because I don't feel that old. Um, the idea really came from my own personal need, right? I think some of the best ideas come from you realizing in your life something you want that is missing. Um, so I have been a big consumer of edibles for a long time. And I was kind of tolerating like the status quo of what was on the market, which traditionally had one actually not been geared towards women at all, um, but geared more towards people that wanted to kind of get high. Like that was the idea behind, behind cannabis and behind weed. And so, you know, in dispensaries, you would go in and you would be offered 10 milligrams really at the time was like the lowest you can find, which like to me is an extremely high dose for me to take. So what I would do is kind of cut these gummies in half and try to find like the use case, you know, did I want to go to sleep? Did I want to just take the edge off? But it was a guessing game. I never knew when I would cut something up, like what was this going to do to me this time? And, uh, when I was at my most, most previous, uh, recent previous job, I was working with all of these cannabis brands professionally. So I was, you know, helping run their, their marketing and their digital advertising. And I just noticed that, Hey, like none of them are kind of thinking about this lower dose market. Um, and the reason behind it is because traditionally the legacy market is not low dose and it was focused on consumers that were like already super into cannabis. And so I told the idea to a few people like, Hey, is this something that, you know, you think you would take, or you, you think um, you'd be interested in. And I had a few of those people be like, it's brilliant. I'll cut you a check. And so Mm. it was at that time where I was like, all right, I need to, if I'm going to start seriously, like accepting money and raising money, like I can't have two jobs. I was running a team there and it was my husband literally was like, you need to like do one thing. Like you're so stressed out. So I ended up quitting. Um, I had, you know, a little bit in verbal commitments, but I, I really just bet on myself and was like, all right, I'm going to put my deck together. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to figure out how the fuck to make this product. I didn't have a background in, in consumer packaged good production or anything like that. Um, but I, I just kind of went for it. And, you know, three years later, I built an amazing product. Um, we have a few employees and we just set up our direct to consumer website. So you can actually now buy this directly to your house and order it online, which is huge, right? Uh, Something I never thought you'd be able to do back in the day growing up in LA. Um, But yeah, that's kind of the snapshot of my journey. And it's been, it's wild, you know, starting a company is crazy. Um, There's a reason not everyone does it, but let's take a quick step back here. When yeah. you were younger, what did you want to do when you grow up? Like, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? What was the answer to that question about 10 years ago? Or no, like 20 years ago? <laughs> I don't think I ever knew. Like, I definitely wasn't one of those kids that like knew exactly what I wanted to be. Yeah. Um, I knew I wanted to be in charge of something for sure. I think like I have a, you can ask my sister, I have like a bossy streak in me and I've always kind of been like a bit of a leader. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And when I graduated college, I went to a college that traditionally like funnels kids into finance and yeah. law and banking and consulting and like these very traditional kind of like cookie cutter jobs. And like I had come from this super creative high school where like we had four hours of art a week and like did yoga and meditation. And then I went to like this very traditional college. And so I actually graduated college like not having a job and most of my friends had jobs and like have these really high paying jobs. And I was like, I don't know what the hell I want to do. And I was like, you know, maybe I'll go into advertising. Um, I always found that kind of interesting. And, 
I kind of just took my first job, like what I could get at the time, right? Like you're not, college teaches you a lot, but like they don't teach you many practical skills. Like I didn't know how to use Microsoft Excel and like all this stuff that I now use in my like daily, um, my daily business day. But like, yeah, I, I, I don't know what I, I didn't know. And I think like, that's a good thing in a way, because it allows you to assess each opportunity as it comes and kind of be fluid and mobile. And I was eventually, you know, led through um, my my first two jobs to a company that I was, you know, one of the first like 15 employees at that ended up, I was there for six years and it ended up being extremely successful. It's still around. Um, but it was like a hardcore startup, like how you would kind of visualize yeah. it. Um, and I think that taught me that like, you can take risks and like you can build a business. You just have to be smart about it. And that, you know, all companies, even like and these companies that we look at that they're, you know, publicly traded and they are super successful. Like they're just putting out fires daily and and yeah. they just know how to do it and know how to navigate it. And it's kind of naive to think that ever everyone has it figured out. Like even the biggest companies in the world, like each day are figuring out a new challenge and kind of how to strategize around that. And I think once I had that realization, I was like, there's no reason I can't go do this myself. You know, you bring up a really good point. And one of the things that I'm thinking about is when you made the decision to leave your job, to go and pursue this um, and to go out there and get investors and and, and do your pitch. Um, one of the main things that people have trouble with at that juncture is demonstrating and owning up to their own value, right? Like understanding yeah. what your value is, what your worth is. Yeah. Um, and the other element to this specifically as it pertains to what you're de- doing is how did you value this, right? How did you go to investors at the time and put a value on the work that you're doing, especially in a market which, correct me if I'm wrong, feels very saturated. Like every block on New York City now, you can go out there and pick up edibles if you wanted to. So how did how did you overcome that? Yeah. So first of all, a lot of those are not legal, which like is, is what it is, right? Like there's always been a, I mean, cannabis for the longest time wasn't legal. Hemp is a, we can get into the kind of nuances there is a different thing. Um, They're the same, but different. Um, I think like, first of all, you know, a lot of those brands have like a sketchy connotation. Like the fact that I can like walk into like the bodega and like, there's like, you know, there's like pipes and bongs and like all kinds of condoms, like all kinds. And then there's like edibles, like (laughs) that's not really the branding I'm going for. So I've actually turned down opportunities to be in those places. Um, because I think how you represent your brand, even down to where it's sold, it creates the aesthetic, the image, and then draws a certain type of consumer into your brand. So, um, in the beginning, like a company is an idea and it's really hard to put a value on an idea because we have no idea if it's going to work or not. Yep. And I actually am, my husband and I, we invest in a lot of companies. So like, like an angel investor. So my thesis has always been like, you just have to bet on the person. Like the idea, there's a zillion great ideas out there. Um, but can they be executed? And sometimes there's a dumb idea, but a killer behind it that's going to go out and it's going to, you know, it's going to be extremely successful. So 
I think like from a monetary perspective, like you have to understand the fundraising climate, you have to understand what other companies are valued at, at the stage you're at and kind of make an educated decision on like, all right, how far along are we on this journey? Like when I first fundraised, I didn't even out of a product. I was like, I have an idea. I I don't even know how to make this yet. And, uh, the value really came from me throwing an evaluation and some people being like, this is way too high. This is good. This is, and you kind of get a feel for what people were comfortable on. And that's what I, that's what I settled for. It was also a better fundraising environment when I started the company than it is now. So, um, that kind of, uh, attributes to like the value that you put on to something. I think the second piece is like the value of the idea. Like, when you talk to people about your personal experience and I would get stories back that I was like, you know, once in college, I ate a edible and I went to the library and I literally had to call my high school friend who ended up going to college with me to come get me. Cause I was like, so paranoid. And they tell me a similar story back of like, yeah, one time I X, Y, Z, you realize that your idea kind of has legs because there's a shared experience around it. And I think when I went out and started pitching people and I kept hearing stories, I was like, all right, this thing, it it resonates with people. And uh, so that gave like value to the idea itself, if that makes sense. Absolutely. That makes perfect sense. Um, No, I I appreciate that. And so um, I want to kind of you know, really stress in on some of the difficulty now, right? Like you've, you've made this decision, you've owned your value. And one of the things that you said that really resonated with me and that I, I 100% agree on all the companies that I've invested in, I invested in the person, like I've yeah. invested in the founder, I invested in the CEO, I invested, like, I remember there was one investment that I made and I turned to my wife and I said, I, I would give this person money because I know right. that I don't care what he's doing, but I know exactly. that it's gonna it's gonna work. Yeah. Uh, um, and so I, I agree with you on that. So it sounds like while of course there was a challenge to figuring it out, you got past that hurdle at the onset. Um, yeah. What were some of the more difficult uh, points at that juncture of of making this decision? You mean the decision to start the company? To start the company and and to kind of like get get rolling. Yeah, I mean, I think the hardest thing for me is like finding good partners on the manufacturing side, which I now have an awesome one. And then navigating like a very, very, very male dominated space. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, it's interesting. There, an article um, that I was interviewed for, for Forbes just came out yesterday, like, I'll send it to you after, but it was highlighting like, just like women in, in having cannabis and like how it's so much harder you know, it's hard in every industry for women. So let's just say that like we are become moms and like, you know, you, you kids, like you, it's, it's hard. We navigate so much, but this industry is historically male dominated. And so from a fundraising standpoint, I really wanted to get women on my cap table. It was very important to me. Um, but it's really fucking hard and it's hard because I'm in a vice industry. Um, there's not as many, you know, female investors or as male investors. And so my cap table ended up being like predominantly male. And as I move forward into future rounds, I want to get more women. Um, and so, and then also dealing with just like, honestly, like there's a lot of incompetence in this industry. Like it amazes me that, um, and, that some of these brands and some of these companies are successful because when I started dealing with these people, I'm like, I actually don't understand how <laughs> they're running a business. Like you don't get responses for two weeks. Like 
it's like, you have to be so on it and so organized and so persistent just to push things through. And it was very different from like the tech industry, which I was in previously where like you get a response in like 30 seconds. And so that's a challenge still like people move so slow, like maybe because half of them are stoned, but like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, but it's honestly, fair. I mean, it's a fair yeah, assessment. I mean, I look, know. I, I know, yeah. I know a bunch of people in in the industry, um, and I'm not going to say because they're stoned all the time, but they definitely move no, at no, a slower I, pace. I mean, look, I worked in banking and in tech, so yeah. I get it. I, yeah. I totally it, get it. Yeah, and I'm like a super type A. Like, like, I move fast and quick, and so I think like learning that like that is just the status quo of like a lot of the players in this space. Like, things take longer and. I know everyone says, you know, things take twice as long, cost twice as much, but like in this industry, like they take like six times as long. And so understanding how to build that into like business models and timelines and like even getting simple answers on things that you would expect uh, a reply right back. Like it just takes a long time. So um, that's a challenge that I think I still kind of have to work through. Has uh, has regulation impacted you at all? I mean, you started in 2021. Uh, can you speak to that at all in terms of like what you've had to deal with from that perspective? So regulation is really interesting. I have a full time lawyer on my team um, who's awesome. She's a woman. I try to you know work with girls as much as possible. Um, there's there's cannabis regulation and there's hemp regulation. Yeah. And so cannabis, and you probably know this, but like cannabis is what is state regulated, right? Like you have to go into a dispensary similar similar to a liquor store to buy alcohol and they're licensed to sell it within the state. So traditionally, like what you think of as weed is like what you would buy in a dispensary. Now, in 2018, there was a farm bill, which is a federal legislation. So the entire country um, that legalized hemp which you can get THC, which is the active, the psychoactive ingredient that you feel something, you know, whatever the feeling is, um, which is in cannabis. It's also in hemp. If you saw a hemp plant and a cannabis plant, you would not know the difference. Like they're the same thing, but under the law, they're different um, because of the concentration of THC in a cannabis plant versus a hemp plant. And so what happened with this farm bill is it legalized hemp under a certain percentage um, to be sold nationwide without the same reg- and, and your product also has to have like a small the um the same kind of ratio of percentage of active to non-active um and ours was because it's low dose and so i can basically now sell my product anywhere if i get the thc from hemp versus cannabis to a consumer you're going to feel exactly the same way you won't even know the difference yeah. and chemically there really is no difference it's yeah. just legally there is it's kind of insane if you think about it The interesting thing recently on the hemp side is that a lot of states are starting to pass individual uh, state regulations. And so you see things like Colorado that has come out with its own laws around hemp, even though at the federal level, there's laws. The interesting thing about cannabis is there's not really laws at the federal level. There's laws only at the state level. So it's constantly changing. Like one week, something can be allowed in a certain state. And then the next week, you know, you can have like Connecticut that changes the amount of THC per serving size allowed in a package and you have to, you can't sell there or you have to alter your product to fit the new regulation. So it's really challenging. It's not a simple CPG where like your product is just compliant. Like we're starting to see more and more laws passed. The interesting thing is 
takes a really long time to pass a law. So yeah. we usually know what's coming Where it's going like, and Yeah. We, and like, we have to make judgment calls and bets based on like what we hear in all these legal roundtables and kind of groups that exist that are lobbyists on both sides. Um, we listen to all of that. And then we say, all right, does it make sense to move forward this way or this way based on what we think is going to happen? But yeah, it's, it's, it's like wild, wild west. I mean, there's no, yeah, I was going to say you probably been, can't, probably has to be tough to manage your inventory if laws are changing all the time. But I guess to your point, it takes a while for laws to change. So you have some time to prepare. Uh, so it's not they like that change to the same thing too. Like you see like a state pass. I mean, usually like another state will follow suit and pass something very similar. And so yeah. like it, it's not like one's doing something radically different than the other. It's just, we can like, you know, an example yeah, is like the CBD to THC ratio. Like a lot of them are moving to 15 to one. So we're like, all right, now the product's got to be 15 to one because that's where it's going. Got it. Got it. Um, that That's all helpful. Now we have a good sense of like the things that you have to think through when you decided to make this transition and um, the ups and downs there. I really want to kind of hone in now on you personally. Let's talk okay. about your relationship um, with the product. Um, you know, you talked about the mindset behind um, changing it, like behind like determining there was a need for it. Um, but you know, you have to be really in love with the thing that you're doing now. Right. Um, yeah. and so there had to have been a journey to get here. Um, and so let's talk about that yeah. a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I always gravitated towards, like I said, like THC related products versus alcohol. I think that I have like high functioning anxiety, um, which a lot of people do. And it calms me down. It makes me feel relaxed. Um, alcohol gave me horrible hangovers and headaches. And I sometimes felt like I was honestly like poisoning my body. Mm. Um, and so I use cannabis daily. I use it a lot to relax. I mean, I have an eight month baby boy and it's very stressful having a baby and running a company and all the other things you kind of have to do in your daily life. And so like after I put him to sleep each night, I take one milligram and I'm not high, I'm relaxed and mm -hmm. I can, you know, enjoy my dinner and watch my show and what else, you know, the other parts of kind of my routine, it really just takes the edge off. I, you know, previously before I kind of started this company, I would always use cannabis, but a lot of the times the doctors would be like, oh, if you're like really stressed or having like panicky feelings, like take a Xanax, take an Ativan, like take mm -hmm. all these other kind of pharmaceuticals. And what I've realized is like there's stuff that comes from the earth that is natural, that is arguably better for you in a way um, that gives you kind of the same effect that you would want from a lot of these pharmaceutical companies. And we're so fast to kind of prescribe like, big pharma products when like there's amazing things that give you the same desired outcome um, that are from the earth yeah. and are more natural. And so I don't take any of that stuff anymore. Anything that I need, I can find from whether it's cannabis or microdosing psilocybin. Like I see, you know, like I went through a time in my life that was like, I was not so happy. And like, I started microdosing psilocybin and like, it changed my life. And, uh, I think that there's so much that we don't know yet about these products. And half of it is because we're up against uh, big industries that like pharma and, and these other companies that have been around forever. And, and they don't want you to know like 
a plant yeah. I can grow in my backyard can do the same thing that I pay, you know, money for pills for. So, um, so yeah, like I integrate this stuff daily. I think, you know, my husband, he's a huge, um, workout enthusiast yep. and like, and, and, um, I have a bunch of friends kind of in that world. And like, they actually sometimes take it like before a run or before a workout, because again, the ability to microdose, you're not out of it. Like you're completely with it but it makes you relax. It kind of calms your muscles down and it allows you to have like an awesome workout or an awesome run or an awesome yoga class and really like tune into your body. So I think there's a ton of ways to kind of integrate this into your daily life. And that's why your product is so great because it allows you to customize your own feeling. What one gummy might do for me, for my 210 pound husband, like he might need three of them, but like the idea is like, it's not a one size fit all fits all thing. Like all of our bodies are different. We all process things differently. We all have different needs. And like the product should be able to be tailored to you, not for you to kind of have to take the product and cut it or change it to suit what you need. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of my journey into this world. And it, it's all about like, natural holistic ways to um calm yourself down or help you sleep or sometimes when i go and i'm having like a fun night out with friends and a few glasses of wine i take a few gummies and it's like it does that job um for me to have a great night and i'm not hung over the next day and i can wake up and at 6 a.m or 5 30 when my kids decides to wake up and i'm fully functioning um so yeah that's kind of how i use it and that's why i believe in it so much like i literally use this stuff every day I really appreciate that context because look, if I think about it, as we were growing up, it's it things have evolved over time, right? There was definitely yeah. a little bit of a stigma to all this as we were growing up. There still and is, honestly. There still is. But I yeah. in you know, as someone who's not in the industry, I definitely yeah. feel like, you know, it's becoming more and more normalized for the better. Because your yeah. example with regards to using something like a Xanax prescription versus something natural, I think can resonate with all the listeners on the show today. Um, and then, you know, speaking about your husband and, and fitness enthusiasts, because again, that's basically the base of this show. Um, yeah. That's another element to this as well uh, with regards to um, understanding that, you know, these natural, um, th- these natural substances um, definitely have um, their benefits that that perhaps growing up, like just weren't made known to us, to be honest, like they were, they were kind of hidden from us growing up. Uh, And what I love about what you're doing is you're bringing it to light and you're bringing it to light in a way um, that I think is relatable to different people for different reasons um, and across different um, just, just backgrounds. Um, And, and so um, I appreciate that. Um, I want to make sure we kind of dig into some of the learnings along the way, whether something you learned about yourself through this process, uh, whether it's through, um, you know, building the business, uh, something that you learned uh, about yourself working in an industry that, um, you know, is figuring itself out um, or um, really just scaling, you know, something that you've learned around in terms of like, building this from the ground up. And like you said, kind of like throwing around valuations to see what, what sticks here. Um, just so the listeners have listeners have some, some takeaways here. So why don't you give me, um, two things that you've learned along the way here? Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing I've learned is like 
you just kind of have to believe in yourself. I know we talked about this a little bit before, but my dad and my grandpa always said like, someone's got to do it might as well be you. And I think like, as I've gotten older and I've gone through this experience of raising money and like having an idea in my head and then literally like turning it into a physical product that like exists in the world, you just realize that like you can kind of figure anything out if you have the drive to do it. And like, there is, you know, a difference. Yes, but not really a big difference between like people who now run fortune 500 companies that are publicly traded and somebody that started a startup, like they both just believe in themselves and they're able to put out fires every day, figure things out, figure out how to, you know, make something. I didn't know anything about producing consumer packaged goods. Like I was, I had to figure out packaging. I had to figure out product formulations. I had to find manufacturers. Like it's crazy. And I think the biggest thing I learned is like, you can fucking do it. You just have to go do it. And I get asked a lot, like, how did you figure out how to do this? And I'm like, I don't even know. I can't even answer that. Like I just, I, I networked, I asked around, I talked to people, I Googled, like I watched YouTube videos, I educated myself and I've built a wealth of knowledge and connections. And I was able to kind of go out there. And so I think that even if this ultimately fails, which it's not going to, because I'm not going to let it, but like you learn that like, there's, there's no difference. Like between us and those people who are running the world. Like they just don't quit. They wake up every day and they're like, all right, something broke. I'm going to figure out how to fix it. And so I think like everyone who comes to me and asks that question and has ideas of things they want to do, I'm like, go do it because it's the best education you will ever get in your entire life. Um, And you know, I thought about going to business school and I didn't, and I did this instead. And I probably learned a thousand times more. Doing you saved yourself. Way. You so, saved yourself a hundred thousand yeah, dollars. Yeah. I, I mean, I, look, I went to business school. Yeah. And I can tell you I'm that. not shitting on business school, but like the <laughs> truth is like, I, like I said, I, I, I worked at a startup. That was my business school education in a way. And then like, now it's like, what are you, how do you learn more sitting in a class with someone telling you how to do something or just literally someone giving you a problem and you have to figure out how to solve it. And so that's like, I think that was my biggest learning is like, you can figure things out. Like you don't need, you don't need to fail because you don't know how to do something. Like you need to approach it and say, all right, how do I get from point A to point B? And like, you know, I, I'm just as qualified to figure this out as anyone else in the world. So I think that was like learning number one. The other thing that was interesting is I think picking the people you surround yourself with wisely, which, which, um, my co-founder who I started the company with originally is no longer with the company. And I know that's very typical of early stage startups and I have nothing disparaging or bad to say about him. It just ended up, we parted ways and had kind of different visions for everything. Um, it's hard to know that in the beginning when you have an idea and you're super excited, um, And it's very, you know, a lot of friends that I know have started companies that are now successful, like the co-founder left. My company I worked at, Vistar Media, the co-founder left like after a couple of years. And that was a very big learning lesson for me just about like what I need um, in a partner, what it means to truly be a partner. And I think that that was probably the most difficult thing that I had to do in the business is like make that decision. 
but we're, I mean, we're still friends. We talk and, and he's very helpful, but it was challenging. And I think I learned a lot going through that about like who the types of people and qualities I need in partners and, and all of that. So that was definitely another kind of learning lesson. And I take what I learned from that, like when I partner with any type of person or organization. I love that. And I, you know, you hit on so many important points there. I have two questions I want to ask you as we wrap things up. I want to know who do you lean on most uh, with regards to, um, you know, going about this and, and building this out because the entrepreneurial journey, um, while you're surrounded by a lot of people to your point, it could get lonely at times. Um, and so I want to ask you that. And then I also want to ask you to close things out. How are you measuring success here? You know, outside of the obvious in terms of, um, you know, sales and, and revenue, how are you measuring success with regards to just what, what it is that you're building here? Yeah. So to answer your first question, I think that I lean, first of all, on my team a lot. Like they're awesome and everyone I work with is so positive. It's been with me for a really long time. Um, my family, my husband, like my sister actually works with me. She is a whiz at marketing and brand partnership. So she works with me. Um, and so when I'm like getting upset about something or like something's going wrong, like I usually call one of them or um, some of the other founders in my network um, that have nothing to do with this company, right? I just know them. Um, they tend to talk to me a lot about like how to solve certain problems because they've been through it before. So I think you need... like It's very lonely at times. And I sometimes feel like the entire weight of everything is on me. Um, but there's people out there that um, have done it or can provide advice or guidance. And, um, and then like the team that kind of believes in you is always like a nice little boost when you need it. I forgot what your second question was. Uh, how are you determining success? And I want to kind of go beyond the idea yeah, of yeah, like sales. sales and revenue, right? Like looking back on this in 10, 15 years, what's going to make you feel like I did it? I mean, I'm sure you're already thinking that, but like, you know, Not long-term yet. vision. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did something, but yeah. there's ways to go. Um, I mean, the fact that I just like created a physical product, I think is one thing, like from an idea in my head to a thing in my hand is really cool. Um, I also think like, to me, like I get texts all the time from, I got one this morning from like my mom's friends who's in her sixties. And she's like, your sleep product. She's like, I've literally never slept better in my entire life. I got an email yesterday from someone I don't even know off the website saying I've had nerve pain in my neck for years. And like, I have to tell you, like this product is amazing. And I, I think just knowing that I've helped people, um, whether like, you know, like in with sleep or with stress or with pain, like it's so cool to know that like something I created is like helping somebody in their life on their journey with, with some sort of ailment or, you know, I've also had friends that are like, I had the best, most fun night ever out on these. And so I think that's successful, like being able to touch ind individual people and help them, um, with things that cause them pain or stress is success. Like whether the company sells for zillions of dollars or not, like I know I created something good and uh, I take it every day. Like I love it. So um, yeah, like, and you know, they're vegan, they're gluten-free, they, they're uh, use all natural um, coloring. Like the gummies are colored with fruits and vegetables, not like synthetic dyes yeah. and flavoring and all that. So I just think like knowing that like I I created something good and uh, I want the world to know about it. I want people to buy it, obviously. But I think at the end of the day, like 
people, I know people like it. I get those messages and it makes me feel good and warms my heart. Awesome. Awesome. You got to try them if you haven't yet. (laughs) I'll have to. Um, I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for A, coming on board, but B, you know, giving, giving us a guiding star here with regards to understanding what it took to leave a successful, well-paying job to pursue a gap that you saw in the market with building a product that you personally found value with, and then, you know, taking the leap, making the asks, investing in your team, um, and, and following your heart to see it through because you truly believe in the mission here and the impact that it's having and, and, and talking about how it's resonating with people across all different ages, all different purposes, you know, whether it's, you know, someone older who's dealing with any sort of pain or working through sleep problems or talking about the example like you used with your husband and, and some of the people that are using it, um, when it comes to their own health and wellness. So I think that you're just touching so many different people with this mission that, you know, it was a leap. Um, and, uh, it may feel like a gamble at times, but it's one that we certainly hope that, um, you know, turns out very well for you. Thank you. As we close out. Yeah. yeah, just just let people know where to find you. Where can they find you and, yeah, and the company? Yeah, so you can actually buy us online on www.thehighconfectionery.com. Um, we have a bunch of stuff on the website. It gets delivered directly to your door. We do require 21 plus signature, which a lot of companies don't because I do not want this getting into the hands of anyone under 21. Um, so I'm a stickler for that. I have a kid myself. And we have four flavors of our uplift gummies, which are kind of used to like enhance your day or a night out or good to pair with a glass of wine. Um, We also have our sleep gummies, which help you sleep. And then we're coming out with two other um, awesome ones. One's geared towards stress and then actually the other ones for like libido. Um, So those will be released later this year. But yeah, give them a a try and you can use code FRIENDS10 for 10% off. Awesome. Love to hear feedback too. Once awesome. My Mile 40 community always loves a discount code. So thank you so much for that. Thanks Great. again for coming on. We love yeah. having you on today. Awesome. Thank you. You got it. Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode of the Mile 40 Podcast, go ahead, subscribe, leave a review, and share the word. Thank you for being a part of the Mile 40 family, and let's unite in showing the world that comebacks are always greater than setbacks.